They did a good job, didn't they? All right, good job, guys. Well, it's great to see your smiling faces out this morning. I uh, haven't seen a lot of you for a long time because I was overseas, and it is good to be home. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I, uh, if you have your Bibles, we're in the book of Hebrews chapter 10, and I'm concluding the series called The Finish Line. And uh, this is where we've been studying how Jesus went the distance. Man, he finished the race, and he was filled with fortitude and faithfulness, and he finished the race that was set before him with endurance. Traveled a road in this series we studied. He carried a cross. He drank from a crop. We had a good Friday service. I had a great time doing Holy Communion. And uh, this morning, I want to talk to you about the way he made to give us access into the very presence of the Lord. And I want to read from Hebrews chapter 10. I'm in verse number 19. I want to read a few verses here, and then we're going to pray. It says, There a new and living way, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the beauty of the cross, the beauty of your love for us, the hope of the resurrection. I just pray, Lord, for a word in season to people who might be weary. And I thank you for the way that you've made for us to have access into the very presence of God that picks us up and encourages us. And I thank you that this word is going to be accompanied by that presence. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen, and amen, amen. So as I had mentioned before, you know, I had recently traveled uh, to Pakistan and um, that was an interesting trip. Pakistan is one of those countries that is still requiring those ridiculous COVID tests. So I had to uh, get a PCR test within 72 hours of travel. Um, that was sort of challenging to try to figure out how to get that test. We didn't know if we would need it to get through Dubai because we had a day there. And, and so, you know, we figured that would be the best time to go on a Friday. Now, I called the only place I knew that could do it in a day. That's Farm 406. I called them. They said, we'll have that test for you. I didn't just call them once. I called them twice. I wanted to double check. I got down there on Friday afternoon because we're flying out Saturday. You know what they told me when I got there? They said, we don't have any tests. They've expired. And you would like to see my head explode. I consider myself a calm man. But they asked me to uh, calm down. <laughs> I was like, I got to travel to Pakistan. I was like, do you have any idea? what Pakistan is like. And I was like, how am I going to get in there? I mean, it was a mad rush. My wife was like, calm down, baby, calm down. I appreciate that. Yeah. And uh, after a little research, my traveling companion, Joel, and I found out that the best option for us to be able to get PCR tests would be to make our way down to the emergency room. We had to go to the emergency room, and uh, I got an amazing picture of my friend Joel with his nose being swabbed. I'm not going to put it up today, but if he keeps teasing me, I will. I'll show that. <laughs> Getting your nose swab is not an easy feeling. They stick that thing all the way up, and you get tears in your eyes. I mean, it, it's an it's a aggravating experience. It's not easy. COVID requirements to travel through multiple countries are not easy. I mean, it took some effort, some planning. But, you know, I thank God for Jesus because he made something easy for us. And what he made it easy was for you and I to have access to the presence of the Lord in our lives. Oh, I'm grateful for that. He made a way for us to enter into God's presence. I like what the 19th verse says, having boldness to enter the holiest 
that's, that's the presence of God, the inner room of the, of the temple. It's what he's talking about. By a new and a living way, which he consecrated. Jesus made a way for you and me to have access into the presence of God. I mean, he made this way so that you and I get to experience his kindness, his goodness, his warmth in our life. And what I think is so interesting is it's called a new and a living way. And I had to kind of familiarize myself with what that meant, a new and a living way. So I looked it up in the Greek language, and you know what that is referring to is a freshly slain lamb, like a fresh kill. Now, I'm in Montana. How many hunters do we got out there? So you know what happens when you kill an animal, and, and it's got that you know, kind of smell, and if it's a cool day, there's that steam that kind of comes off of it, and what the Bible is referring to is, is Jesus is like a freshly slain lamb, the Bible says, for us as a sacrifice. He's not only the, the lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. Jesus is the way. He's the way, the truth, and the life. There's, there's access that we have into the very presence of God. And the verse kind of gives us the key as to what that is. That key is through the blood of Jesus. Jesus' blood has made a way for you and I to be in right standing and fellowship with God and know him and come into his presence. And I'm so grateful for his presence. It says that it's through the veil of his flesh, which is sort of like a reference to the veil of the temple being torn in twain when Jesus was crucified. That, that temple veil got ripped and it signified that man would now have access into the very presence of God. And that's what the scriptures are telling us here about his blood. He's made a way for you and me to get into his presence. There's a pathway into the presence of God, and I'm telling you that is so vital for you to understand. It's vital for you to know that because generations have passed where people never did have access into God's presence. They were kept outside of it. But here at this time in history, at the end of the age, you and me as believers in Jesus, because of his death, burial, and resurrection, have access to, to the very presence of God itself. I mean, that, that's an incredible thing we're blessed to experience. And I like how the Bible says that in his presence is fullness of joy. And you know, there are times in life when you need joy. And his presence is the thing that will bring you comfort when you get discouraged or distracted. I, um, I tell you, I, I, it's Easter week, and I had a rough couple weeks here, getting back from Pakistan and just going through things, and it was like, Man, I felt a lot of spiritual oppression. I began to notice that there were several people I was dealing with who, for whatever reason, had been through some struggles, some trials, some battles in their lives. And, and you know, some people I know got really sick. And I mean, just, just some trouble. And, and I felt like, man, I was really facing some opposition from the devil. So I did what I knew to do. I got myself all alone in the presence of the Lord. I just came to the office Monday morning. I, I got with him alone. I spend time praying and seeking the Lord, and an answer came. Because answers always do come. Answers exist in the presence of the Lord. And when you get in God's presence and you spend a little time alone with him, his comfort, his joy, his ability to provide you with an answer, to know what to do, I'm telling you, it brings life to you. It brings an answer. And his presence is such a wonderful, comforting thing that's available to you and I together. I'm grateful for his presence. Are you grateful for the presence of the Lord in your life? Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to stay in the passage here, and I want to provide you kind of with what I call access points into God's presence. And Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that we have access by one spirit to the Father. 
through the blood of Jesus, you and I are able to access the presence of God. We're able to get into his presence. And that, my friends, is a great blessing. But there are what I call uh, some keys, some little secrets that allow you, uh, you know, uh, to access it in, in a way uh, that brings you in there quicker so you understand it. There's some little secrets here. So I want to read verse 19 again. Look at this verse, Hebrews 10, 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness. Someone say boldness. boldness. Oh, say it like you mean it. Say boldness. boldness. There we go. Having boldness to enter the holiest place. That's, that's a place of his presence. We enter by the blood of Jesus. Now, the first thing I want to highlight right here is what I call priority access. You have priority access into God's presence. Uh, that's what boldness gives you. You can come boldly. You can come confidently. You can come expectantly. It's, uh, you, you can come there anytime you want. You have precedence in the eyes of God to come into his presence. And I like what the Bible says in Hebrews 4, verse 16, when the scripture said that you can come boldly to the throne of grace and receive mercy and find grace to help whenever you need it. It just requires that you and I come boldly. You don't have to be ashamed. You can come right before him. Priority access. It's like when you board a plane. Now, I've been doing a lot of flying lately. And when you're on traveling with planes, they give you what's called priority boarding passes. Maybe you're in first class, or maybe you know you got frequent flyership, and so you get to skip the line to get onto the plane. You know, this last I, I try to fly business class if I ever I can. If I can afford it, we can get there. I, I like that one, a little more leg room. On this last trip, you know, just the way it worked out, we were in economy class with the rest of the poor people, stuff like sardines in the back of the plane. <laughs> but if you're on a 14-hour flight, it doesn't matter where you sit as long as you get an aisle seat. Because that way you can walk around that plane many times. <laughs> if, if you're on that plane for uh, a day, you need to just get out and walk. So I'm grateful for any kind of leg room that I was able to get. Through the blood of Jesus, I have priority access into his presence. I can skip the line. I can come to him whenever I want. I've got priority that takes place too. He said, let's draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Faith creates confidence in a person. And if you're going to come to God, the scripture says it's impossible to come to him without faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. He that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So the approach that you take to God requires by its very nature faith in your heart. There's the expectation that exists. And when I have faith, and I understand it, God put it in my heart. And when I feed it on the scriptures, I get energized. I get excited. I think about the way that God made for me to have access into the very presence of God. Mm. It gets me excited. I, I don't have to wait. I'm confident with it. And my kids are like that. I've noticed with children, they have no problem coming to me and asking me what they want. They tell me all about the stuff they want for their birthday or their for Christmas. I got to take a picture of it and remember it for later. Who knows if they'll want it in six months. But they have no problem coming and confidently saying, this is what I want. Because they have faith to know that dad loves them. Look at, look at this 22nd verse. He, he says, uh, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let me tell you where confidence comes from. It comes from from a cleansed conscience, 
a conscience that's clean in the eyes of God. Man, that's, that is such a relief when you know that you have been forgiven, when you don't have anything to hide, when, when you got freedom to come into his presence. It's a wonderful thing to have his presence in your life. I mean, I, I, don't have, I, I don't have a fear of sin. I have been forgiven of my sin because of the blood of Jesus. How wonderful is that? A clean conscience. Confidence comes when you know who he is. Uh, look, at, uh, look at verse 23. It tells us that we can hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Man, the faithfulness of God is so good. And I can come to him because I know him. I know his character. I know his nature. I, I know that he's for me, not against me. I know that he will come through when I need him, when I ask him. He's right there to help in time of need. I can come boldly before him. I can come with confidence. I have expectation in my heart. And that comes from knowing his nature and from knowing the will of God. You, you better know the will of God for your life if you want to approach him. You got to know his will. And his will is revealed in his word. Maybe the problem that you have and the reason why you don't feel like you can approach him is because you don't really know what's in his word. His word is what gives us uh, ideas, insight into who he is and his nature. I have a legal right to come before him. I have a legal right to ask him for things that I I have legal right to his presence, to, to make my requests known to God. That's the beauty of the blood of Jesus. I can come in priority. I can come and say, Lord, this is what I need. I can come before you boldly. That's what the scripture says. I don't have to come with fear, condemnation, or shame. I, I know my rights. You know, I, uh, I, I thought it was interesting about traveling to Pakistan because uh, we had to come up with uh, a proof of vaccination uh, or we had to find, and, and since I didn't have the vaccination, uh, I had to find another way to do it, which they put in writing. You had to have a medical exemption. Do you have any idea how hard it is to get a medical exemption? So we had to do a little research, and I had to show up at the uh, airport counter in Dubai with uh, uh, a visa, with a PCR test where they stuck that thing up my nose, and with a medical exemption. And I had to also bring the rules so that the guy at the desk would understand you know, what the rules were. When they asked for the proof of vaccination, what I had, I simply submitted everything I had, had it all set, and it was like, he said, you've got everything ready, you've got it all lined up, no problem. They let me right through. I knew what my rules, the rules were. I knew my rights. And I, that means I was confident in what they said I could do. That's how it is in the word of God. You have confidence when you know his will, and it gives you priority access into his presence. You can know the, presence, the will of the Lord for your life if you read the scriptures. I am grateful for his will. I'm a child of God. I have priority access. I take precedence in his plan. Now, let's, uh, let's give a second point right here. Look at verse, back up to verse number 21. Here's what it says. Having a high priest over the house of God. First of all, you have boldness. Secondly, we have a high priest over the house of God. Here's what this verse tells me. I have private access into his presence. Not just priority access, I have private access. Let me give you the greatest New Testament revelation. Jesus is your personal high priest. That's what the book of Hebrews reveals him as, a high priest that ministers on our behalf. This is his present-day ministry. 
A lot of people don't recognize that Jesus is a man, resurrected, sitting at the right hand of God. And he's a high priest who the Bible says is a mediator or an intercessor. That, that he goes, he, he's, he's like praying for you. He, he's mediating for you. And the scripture calls him a merciful and a faithful high priest. I mean, that's a great thought about who he is. It, it means that he watches over you, that he cares about you, that he can relate with you. I'm grateful for that. Now, it is nice to have some warm weather outside, isn't it? Amen. Oh, man. I felt like it was a long winter. They said this was the fifth coldest March on record. Yeah, and I'm grateful to have a little springtime in the air. When I start thinking about summertime, I start thinking about like camping trips and beaches, <laughs> sunshine in my face. You know, when I was living in California, my uncle Ralph, uh, he had lived in a gated community and he had private access to a beach. That is awesome. <laughs> I was able to come down, and it was, you know, 25 acres of beachfront with like two or three people out there. I had the place to myself. I could stroll around, get hit by waves, and, you know, seaweed on my feet. Come on, somebody. Great. Private access to a beach. I love it. But I'm telling you, you and I have something better than private access to a beach. We got private access into the very presence of the Lord himself. That's better than beach access. Here's what the Bible says about Jesus in the present-day ministry that he's doing as a, as a personal savior in your life. He is a personal high priest, one who can sympathize, the Bible says, with your weaknesses. And what that means is that he can relate with you. He hears the cries of people who struggle. He hears the cries of addictions. He hears the cries of people who are caught in you know, affairs they don't want to be in, problems they're stuck with. He hears the cries of people, and he can relate with you. He, he, he knows what's in our, he's acquainted with us. He remembers that we're dust. And, and as a personal high priest, man, he cares about us. He can relate with you in a way. The Bible also describes Jesus as an advocate. That means he's your lawyer. He, he, he is a personal defense attorney. That's what the scriptures refer to him as in the book of 1 John. If anyone sins, you have an advocate. You have a personal defense attorney with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Not, and I have had to use his defense attorneyship in my life. And the Bible says that his blood has covered my sin, and not just my sin, but your sin and the sin of the whole world. And think about how powerful his blood is that can do that. Now, in case you missed the memo, you are guilty of crime. You're guilty of sin in the eyes of God. That's why you have a defense attorney. I've got good news for you. Jesus can get you off the hook. You know, when I was in high school, I was a bit of a knucklehead. And on more than one occasion, I had to go to Laurel and appear before Judge Herman. I won't tell you what it was for. It happened a couple times. Now, my father happened to be a lawyer, and he was able to get me mercy when I did not deserve it. And that's exactly what Jesus has done for you and me. He's got us mercy, even though we do not deserve it. And we've got our own advocate. Our own advocate needs our case for us. That's what he's doing at the right hand of the Father. He's a high priest. He's an advocate. And Hebrews 7 describes him as an intercessor. He's ever living, Scripture says, to make intercession and pray for God's people. I mean, how good is that? That you've got a Savior who prays for you, so when you ask him for help in time of need, that's how his grace comes into your life. That's how he strengthens you. Lord, I need your help. And because he is an intercessor and he's praying for you, 
He extends grace and mercy to help you get through difficult things. I'm grateful for an intercessor. This is what he's presently doing as a resurrected man. He's made a way for us in the presence of God. He's a high priest. He is an advocate. He is an intercessor. And I like what else Hebrews describes him as in Hebrews 13. He is a shepherd. He's called the great shepherd of the sheep. You know, the thing about shepherds is that they're smelly. I mean, it's dirty working with sheep. Come on, somebody. You deal with people, you're going to get your hands dirty. But Jesus isn't afraid of that. He knows how to shepherd his people. And I like what the scripture says about him, that he's able to make you complete in every good work to do his will. That's what his shepherding is about. You know, the thing with shepherds is that uh, they have a particular tool they use. They use a rod. And I remember the first time I heard this was from Pastor David years ago. It's never left me. You know, that rod, a shepherd's staff, has got a little hook on the end of it. And there's two purposes for that rod. One of the purposes in case a sheep falls off a cliff, is it somewhere, and, and you need to reach down and pick him up. And you can reach that hook and you can help pick up a sheep and comfort the sheep. And, and that's his comforting hand in your life. As a shepherd, he's there to comfort you. Man, I have experienced his comfort in times when I've needed it. Come on, somebody. You ever needed his comfort? Man, and he'll be right. There. That's what his presence will do. Now, the other purpose of that shepherd staff is to schwack the sheep when they get out of line. That's called correction. He's there to comfort you, and he's also there to correct you when you need it. And on more than one occasion, I have got myself alone with the Lord, and I've asked him for his help and his comfort, and he's given me a nice rebuke. <laughs> and you know what that's done? is helped me mature as a man. That's called working the perfect will of God out in your life. That's what happens when you become well-pleasing in his sight. He's maturing you. That's what shepherds do. They help mature God's sheep. This is what happens in his presence, comfort and correction. And Jesus is my personal high priest. I can come before him at any point. I have private access, and I'm telling you, private access into the presence of the Lord with a personal Savior is better than private access at the beach. Come on, somebody. And there's something wonderful about his lordship in my life. As a shepherd, he watches out over me. Amen? He's a personal high priest. Having a high priest over the house of God. I like what that verse says. Now, let me give you number three. Hebrews 10. And I'm reading verse 24 and 25. He said, let us consider one another. Someone say one another. In order to stir up love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, what these verses tell me is that not just do I have priority access, not just do I have private access, but it talks to me about the public access that you and I have. You know, His presence is released in corporate gatherings, just like the one we're in right now. In the Old Testament, when they would gather together, the glory of the Lord would come upon people. And it was like they could no longer stand to minister. In the New Testament, the book of Acts says, when they got together and prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken. His presence was so strong, it shook the entire place where people prayed. And so we got this public access as we gather together corporately in the presence of the Lord. And, you know, it's, it's sort of like that public beach that people have where you can see all your friends or a city park or, you know, forest service land or a public library. It's open to everybody. That's what churches are like. It's open to all. It's, it's free to come here. You do have to listen to my bloviating and preaching at you. But 
you, everyone can come. Everyone can gather in the presence in the house of the Lord. Now, I will say some of the greatest moments I've had with God have come alone in private moments. But some of the most joyous moments and encouraging moments, and that's what the verse says, have come when I am gathered with the people of God together. There's something wonderful and sacred about what the scriptures teach here that we gather together and exhort one another, encourage one another. Now, to gather together, I'll tell you what it does for us. Our gathering together demonstrates equality. What's so amazing about the blood of Jesus is through his blood, you and I are equals in the eyes of God. We, we gather together, and God is not one who extends favoritism to anybody. We gather as equals in the eyes of the Lord. And I like what 1 John said. We have fellowship with one another through the blood of Jesus who cleanses us from all sin. His blood is what gives us that equality. So that means that we can love one another. It means because we don't have to look down at people. Everyone's on the same plane. You realize that God loves you? You're of infinite value and worth in the eyes of God. He loves you. He cares about you. He doesn't extend favoritism to anybody. He loves everyone on equal levels. That's what makes him God. Because you and I don't view people like that. We, 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 we tend to be a little more self-serving. But God sees everybody on the same level because we're all guilty of sin. But through his blood, we have equality together. That's how we can serve one another. We can be a blessing to people because of the blood of Jesus it makes us equal. We get together, we can love, we can serve. But you know, our gathering together is only as good as the unity we have together. Mm. That's what it takes to really experience God's presence in a corporate gathering. It takes a unity of mind. I like what the Bible says in the 133rd Psalm, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Man, unity is what releases God's presence in your life. He's pleased by it. It blesses him. It, it's, it's refreshing. It's likened to the dew on a mountain. And, and it, it's just a refreshing thing that creates fruitfulness in your life. The reason why it's so unique is because it's incredibly rare. I mean, the more people you get gathered together, the more opinions you're going to have. You know what I'm talking about? And unity is one of those things that you have to fight for, you have to maintain. But if you ever get unity in the house of the Lord, if you get unity in your family, I'm telling you, the presence of the Lord will accompany it. Man, that is a beautiful, wonderful thing about his presence. And he wants that in your life. And when you've got unity with people, man, you can accomplish goals. Good things happen. The presence of the Lord will be there. And the Bible says that it commands a blessing. Unity demands blessing in the lives of his people. That, that's the amazing thing about it. When we're united together, his presence shows up and blesses people. Man, I, I think about what this verse says, that we should gather together. He said, exhort one another, encourage one another. And our gathering is really what brings encouragement into one another's lives. I mean, corporate gatherings, when we get together in the presence of the Lord and worship him, what it does is it strengthens God's people. And, and I'm just saying, in this time that we live in, here it says, as you see the day of coming, you need to be encouraged. I'm grateful to have my 99-year-old grandma right here with me. She just woke up. It's good to see her. <laughs> grandma tells me she's never seen a day like this. She's 99 this summer, and uh, life wasn't always like it is right now. I don't think I've ever seen a day like we're living right now. Think about the trouble that's in the world. 
I mean, just think about how truth is under question. They're trying to change languages so that words don't have any meaning anymore. And then you've got all kinds of concern about where the economy is at among nations. And, and it's like, you know, we could talk about wars and rumors of wars, and it's like the, the powder keg is lit. It just feels like it's a precarious time. And, and then you've got people adrift in a sea of immorality who are so confused in life. It's, it's like uh, things that have happened for generations and never happened are happening right now. It is quite a time. What it tells me is you can see the day approaching. You know what that day is? It's capitalized in your Bible because that's referring to the day of the Lord's return and the day of his coming. And that's why you need a family. That's why you need to be together in the house of the Lord because you get encouraged. It's a place where you see truth and strengthen one another in the times that we live in. Man, that, that's the greatest thing about being together in the house of the Lord. I get to be with you. We get to be encouraged together and grow in the things of God. You know, I think about how amazing the blood of Jesus is. It, it, it's the thing that allows us to get into God's presence. But there's one thing that will keep you out of God's presence. You know what that is? It's sin. Sin's the only thing. David said you could make your bed in hell and his presence would still be there. But sin is what stops people from accessing the presence of the Lord. And sin is a very sneaky thing. Sometimes sin that you have is like an unconfessed sin that you didn't know about. And so when you maybe come to his presence on a personal devotion or in church and you're not feeling it, you, you sometimes have to be a little introspective and sensitive about it. Like, is there something hindering my relationship with the Lord? Uh, sometimes it's because it's not unknown. It might be because it's unconfessed and you don't are embarrassed to maybe talk about it or acknowledge it. And I've had both situations like that. I, I've had to have, you know, confront it in both ways. This week I was really going through something. I was sitting with the Lord alone with him. I was praying about it. And he showed me an attitude of my heart that I did not expect that challenged me. And it was like some area of my life of sin that really helped me get a breakthrough once I saw that. Once I understood where I had been missing the mark and how God was dealing with me, all of a sudden the grace and the mercy of his presence came flooding into my life. And I'm grateful for that. I, I love to experience it in private. I love to experience it publicly with people. You can have it anytime, any place, anywhere, as long as your heart is open before him. And that's a beautiful thing about the Lord. And if it's unconfessed sin, it weighs heavily on your conscience. And what I've discovered about sin when it's weighing on your conscience, it's, it's, it's like harder for you to access the presence of God with a heavy conscience than it is for you to get to Pakistan without having uh, the, the jab. <laughs> I mean, the presence of the Lord withheld is a challenging thing. I want it in my life. And you have access into God's presence. It's a sad thing people don't know that all the time. They don't know that they can get into God's presence for themselves because you have a personal high priest. You don't need to go through the church. You don't need to go through uh, the Pope. You have a personal relationship with Jesus. And that means you can come before him whenever you need. You can come boldly and confidently. What I have found out about people who really know the Lord, the most spiritual people, are people who come to him in moments of need immediately. It's like the quicker you come to the Lord, it's more evidence of the deeper that relationship. But when you kind of just you know, put it off and, and, and drift a little bit and then try to figure it out, it, it's evidence that maybe you need to get closer to him. And there's something about drawing near to him and seeking him and pressing into him 
man, that is so precious and so sacred in your life. And it's easy to get into his presence. It just requires that you come humbly, boldly, quickly, confidently when you need it. Maybe, maybe you just haven't experienced the presence of God being very real. You don't feel like you have that depth of it personally where you're, I don't, I don't know, you know, if, if he's there with me when I need him. And that's just an indication you haven't spent enough time with him. Getting into his presence alone, spending time in your Bible, having devotions with the right people. And if you spend any time seeking his face, going after him, I'm telling you, his presence will be real, realized, wonderful in your life. There's something amazing, unique, and extraordinary about his presence. Or maybe it's, you know, the corporate side of worship. Maybe, you know, I know people who never really know how to enter into the presence of God. And as a result, they're always outside the gate. And I just think it's sort of a sad thing. His presence is available for you here. It's available as we worship. It's available as you come to him. And my prayer for you today is for you to have his presence in your life in a deep, meaningful way. How many of you would like to have his presence more and more and more in your life? Because he's made a way for you. And if you never access his presence, think about what you're missing out on. You're missing out on answers. You're missing out on wisdom. You're missing out on his blessing in your life. If you've got Jesus, you've really got everything you need. So I want to pray that over you. I want to pray for the presence of the Lord to increase in your life, a deep and a personal way. Father, I thank you for the way that you've made for us through the resurrection of Jesus, that we can come before you with a clean conscience. Mm. (laughs) As I pray that, you know what I feel? I feel like sometimes people want to hide things. But you understand you can't hide things because everything's naked and open to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. He sees everything. He sees the dark recesses of people's hearts. So, Lord, I just pray right now, if there's any unconfessed sin, any unknown sin that's in our hearts, just right now, just bring a memory to us. Just just highlight a thought. And and not in judgment, but in mercy. I thank you that your mercy is what gives us access to come right before you, the blood of Jesus. Boldly we can come, quiet, confidently we can come, expectantly we can come. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy that's working a far greater weight of glory in us. I just thank you for even someone right now who feels like they're not as close to the Lord as they could be. I pray that this would be a season for you to draw us, Lord. Draw us closer. I pray, Lord, for people to draw closer to you. Lord, draw us. Draw us closer. God, we want that in our lives. Thank you that there's a way you made for us. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Man, I want to challenge you in these days we're living in to grow closer to the Lord you need him in your life. Now, I was telling you, Pakistan was really an interesting place. I mean, it, that was not an easy trip. I remember, you know, when we got there, and your jet lag clock is all mixed up, so you're staying up till four in the morning, and we had mostly engagements at night, so I was trying to stay in a rhythm. And we had to do a pastor's conference, so we were in a van driving, and we had gone for about an hour, hour and a half, just here we were coming. And they told me about something called the brick kilns, which I had never heard of or seen before. I think I got a picture of, of that that we took. And what, what this is, is a form of modern day slavery. I, I had really never heard about this. This is one of the unique places of the world where this is taking place. That chimney you see sticking up there is called a brick factory. It's where they make bricks. 
And the way that the bricks, because everything in Pakistan is made with bricks. That's how they make a lot of things. And what happens to people is when they fall into a place of debt where they cannot pay. Maybe it's a medical problem or they got taxes they can't do or whatever it is they can't pay. A lot of times they have to go to the master of that, of that brick kiln place and, and sort of sell themselves as slaves. They have to, they have to say, uh, I, I can um, you know, work for you if you'll pay this debt. And you know what happens? They'll enter in a contract and they never are able to get that debt paid because the interest rates are exorbitant. And it's a form of modern-day slavery. We were leaving uh, Lahore, the airport there, and there was four white guys that I saw at the airport. It was all of us and our traveling companions. And I did find a fifth white guy, and he, he had told my friend Joel that he's actually working to free people in the brick factories because the only way to get them out sometimes is you got to pay for their release. You have to pay for it. Um, and they will accept U.S. dollars, and so that's the only way out of that. And when I was learning about brickmasters, all I could think about was how Satan is like a brickmaster. He's got people in bondage to sin. And the only way out, the only person with the resources to pay your debt is Jesus. He's the only one with the ability to pay that so that you could be released. Because the wages of sin is death. And I'm sitting here up in church on Easter. I'm sure somebody out there in right with the Lord and isn't stuck in the bondage of sin. And I'm just here to tell you that just like a person stuck in slavery going around the rat, the only way that you can get free of that is through Jesus and his blood and his sacrifice. He's that advocate. He's that person who paid the fine for you. He's the one who made a way of escape. So if I could get every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want to give you an opportunity this morning to receive the Lord. Free of sin. Free from the burden of it, the bondage of it. Yeah, if you put a hand up, I want to pray with you so that you're right with the Lord. Know him in your heart. I see that hand. I see that hand. Yeah, there's another one. I see that. So I want to pray with you. This is not a prayer you say formally. This is a prayer you say from the sincerity and the depth of your heart. And if you mean it, God will transform you from the inside out and set you free. So if you would, just say, Father God, I thank you for sending your son Jesus, who I believe died for me, and rose again and I receive his life in me and I pray that you'd set me free from sin from the bondage of sin from the slavery of sin and I want to serve you in the name of Jesus I pray and if you're sincere about that prayer and you prayed that I'm telling you the Lord loves you he's with you he wants to know you and I'd love to meet you here after the service if you'd stand up with me I just want to tell you how good it is to see you, how good it is to be home out of Pakistan. <laughs> and I'm just so blessed to be amongst God's people. Amen. Amen. Let's just take a moment. I feel the Lord's presence here. I feel, you know, when you talk about his presence, you'll feel it. So I feel it. I feel like the Lord is going to visit you in your homes this week, in your offices. And just while you're sitting there, his grace is going to make a way for you to experience him. And you have to have a little sensitivity to know when he comes to you. Maybe you'll be having a bad day and your attitude will shift and you'll feel God's presence. And I want to encourage you to lean into that, to accept that, invite that in your life. Don't have a negative attitude. Receive freely his mercy. 
Receive freely his forgiveness of sin. Receive freely how much he loves you because God loves you more than you know and he wants to reveal himself strong on your behalf and I pray that over you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen and amen. Amen. The presence of the Lord is here. If you would like prayer, we'd love to come pray for you. It's Easter Sunday. I know you've got places to get, so love on somebody. Welcome out to the house of God. And a couple of you I haven't seen for a long time, so I, uh, good to see you. I love you. Great to have you out this morning. We'd love to pray with you.